with all these videos that we're recording now, I've realized that I only wear shades of gray anymore. <laughs> I think for like the last. You have the uniform. That's what people yeah. do though, right? I like wish the... my wife would let me have the uniform. That sounds so great. <laughs> I guess there's no reason I can't for work. Just line yeah. up my closet over here with gray. Yeah. Sure. There's a there's a chef I follow on Instagram called Ethan Stoll. And just, he does these like little Instagram videos so frequently and he wears the same shirt and pant combo to the point where people are like commenting pretty often. So now he's like, nope, that's it. That's just what I wear. He's like, it's just my brand. And so he, uh, he made like a funny meme, like this is the Ethan Stoll, like dress pack of, if you want to be me for Halloween too. Oh, that's so hilarious. I've got to get a, a look and just own it. Okay. I got something that happened to me two days ago now, so I can finally talk about it. It's very emotional. I flooded my house for the third time. No, not the <laughs> same house. Talent. So here's the quick review at our house in Pittsburgh. I put a sweatshirt in our laundry tub and turned on the water fairly low to let it fill up because it had a stain on it. Forgot that it was there. It overflowed, flooded into our laundry room and down into the basement through the can lights dripping <laughs> wet mess. Then our house in Columbus, or uh, yeah, when we moved back to Columbus, our previous home, I don't even remember. I think I blacked it out, but I flooded something. It wasn't terrible, but it definitely overflowed. And then two days ago, I turned on the bathtub full blast, go upstairs to check on one of the four kids. He, he's My son Hayden is watching a new Mark Rober video that I've never seen, even though it's like three years old. And so I'd sit down and watch the video or the rest of the video for like 10 minutes. I come back downstairs and there is water everywhere. So did you realize it and like do the run through the house or you didn't not until you No, in fact, I would, I just got done tickling him and I was like, Oh, that was such a good dad son moment. I feel so good <laughs> about life right now. I'm walking downstairs and I walk towards the master bedroom and my wife is, is watching a show with my daughter and she's like, are you not in the bathtub? And I thought she was trolling me because I thought she heard the water had shut it off, but I still reacted like, oh my gosh, what's going on? But I thought I'm not going to find it open up. And it's, it's like the scene in the horror films where the bathtub is just overflowing, you know, and it's <laughs> yeah. a giant, giant, uh, clawfoot style tub. There's probably an inch of water all over the master bathroom floor and leaking downstairs again, which this is the second time in this house we've had water issues. The first one was the water softener exploding. So it was just a bad day. Do you feel like you have sympathy, more sympathy for your kids when they do something in the house? And you're like, well, I've flooded three times. So no, cause they're young and smart and sharp. And <laughs> I know I, I do. I should have sympathy for everyone. I think I need some type of medication. Like is it echinacea? What is the thing? Mm. Something's happening with my brain. Yeah. Uh, what's the, there was one that everybody used to take. I'm just, I, the other, I just think I need a vacation. So I'm taking one yeah. next week. That's my other. That'll be nice. Yeah. Yeah. That'll uh, fix it. Just don't. Delete. You have to delete the email off your phone to be on vacation though. I've only done it once, but no pressure. I would recommend that. It's, it's uncomfortable though. Yeah. yeah that's um, rough. You can't do it. No, I have a call. <laughs> I have a call scheduled for Monday at noon, but that's it. No, and no, I'm just totally disconnected. Yeah, just don't don't walk out of the room with water flowing. Okay, mm. the more you know. <laughs> All right, let's get started. 
Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 285. I'm Kevin Oakley and with me today is Jackie Lipinski and Julie Jarnigan. Hello. hello. We, we said we were going to stop doing this, saying the hello every time. And we can't, yeah, I don't know what else to hello do. Like, yeah, you don't. <laughs> the people on video can see us like doing a cute little wave, but who's got stories? Us, we're like, oh, I guess we'll be quiet. Who's got stories to tell? <laughs> we have stories. I think we just get, we kill the story time music. We just go straight okay. into story time. So I like it. We're figuring out this, Always this live, evolving. This compelling audio. <laughs> Julie, you go first. Yeah, so we had kind of a fun conversation with a builder yesterday afternoon about um, she's hiring for a new position in marketing, and um, she had multiple candidates she liked and sent out a personality quiz that they do for everybody. But then she was concerned because um, they came back as introverts instead of extroverts. And this um, marketer, I, I, I guess I would have known she was an extrovert. But we laughed because we started looking through our list about how many of our builder marketers are mm-hmm. introverts and almost all of them. I would say 80%. <laughs> what would you say? Kevin? Yeah, it, it, it was yeah. like introvert, extrovert, introvert, 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 extrovert. Yes. It, was, it was not close. It was not a 50-50 split at all. And, and a lot of the extroverts were people who had come over from the sell side. So a lot of the introverts had always been in marketing and a lot of the extroverts had been in, had been in sales. So anyway, it just got me thinking, which we could talk about this two ways, either hiring introverts or from me personally, being an introvert, because I'm here speaking on this podcast and I speak on stage sometimes at Builder Show or the Summit or whatever, but I still very much consider myself an introvert. So I think it's just a fun conversation to have of how, how are you an introvert but also at work, which was her concern, being a good communicator, being driven, being engaged, being proactive. Um, I think those were some of the things maybe she had been burned in the past by somebody who was too timid, maybe. And she was putting that label on introvert. But really, it's it's two different things, I think. Well, and I think the first delineation, again, referencing my kids, which is what I know best, there is a difference between an introvert, which is my son Hayden, and a full-on monk, like all separation from society, which is my daughter Sydney. If you don't have a tracking device on her, like she thinks we gave her a phone so she can communicate, it's full-on like, where are you? Because she will just slip away. Like she never does the dishes. She never. It's just, where is Sydney? We don't know. She just kind of completely off the grid, so to speak. So I think in that scenario, you wouldn't want anyone who's, who's doing, you know, full on hiding. Yes. Hiding, hiding is bad. Um, but too, I think as an introvert, you do have to be aware of that. Sometimes when you're, you feel comfortable being more withdrawn or quiet, you have to be aware of that, that when it's time to speak up and time to have your opinions, usually as introverts, I don't, talk much if I don't have much to say, but if I'm prepared and have opinions and have things to say, then I do speak. So that's part of it. It's preparing and just being aware of that. 
And then I also find just a trick for me as an introvert, as I talk to all these builders, because we don't like to say a lot if we don't have an answer. Like they ask us something, we don't have an answer. We don't know what to say. For me, what has helped me with that is asking more questions. Just keep digging and keep digging and keep digging. Well, why do you say that? Well, how long does that take? Well, what do you usually do? And finally you get somewhere to where you find something. So that that's helped me personally. Yeah, Jackie, I think- Are you- Well, I was introvert? just gonna say, I feel like I used to be an introvert and I've swapped. Is that is that a normal thing? I feel like I, like, I, I can exist in both elements and it's not- it's not overly exhausting when I'm at events. I do love large events. I love talking to multiple people. I don't need to sit in a room and like be a monk for 30 days after I have a big event. Um, <laughs> but I do, I do enjoy, I think, I think you said it first, Julie. Um, I do enjoy talking to people and you're right. Most marketers, we do work with introverts, but when you feel confident in what you're saying, you can talk around it more. And I think that's exactly what you said regarding the timid thing. And especially if their boss is more extroverted, I feel like they're worried because they have, they're going to have to pull more questions out of the person. But if you empower that person and, um, and, and give them the freedom and, and let them know you're listening also, I think it'll create a, a really good relationship. So I know we always joke like, you know, online sales, extrovert marketers, introverts, and sometimes it's just this wonderful relationship that they can build together and they can bring each other up. So, um, yeah, it is funny how most of us do trend though, introverted. So it's, and, yeah, we- and there's a, there's <laughs> a good book quiet by Susan Kane. Have either of you read that? It's kind of mm-hmm. how to, um, how it's kind of assumed that we were talking about this earlier, just because you're confident some people assume that you're competent, but this is kind of proving the opposite that a lot of like the strongest leaders sometimes can be um, more on the introverted side. So that's a good book. If you're an introvert or work with introverts, kind of um, a look into that. I also think uh, when you ask people questions or especially opinions, it makes you actually seem more like an expert. Mm-hmm. And if you're in sales, you know that, you know, quack like a duck question answer question someone asks you a question you can give them an answer but then you need to immediately follow up with a question of your own because whoever's asking the questions is in control of the conversations but it's not a it's not a control issue like you're saying julie peep yeah i mean after doing this as long as as i have there's not very many new things although i i did have one that maybe I'll make my story time, but I don't hear a lot of new things, but there's still obviously small wrinkles or adjustments that are different. And if I ever find that my initial reaction is, is like this empty, uh, huh? I'm, I, I'm just stressing about my, my basement maybe for the moment. And I, <laughs> I'm not able to fully process what the question is just helping people go through a thought process. You know, so in your case, Julie, you're saying asking specific questions that um, are getting more data out. But oftentimes I just say, let's just step back and think this through our end goal. Because what I find is actually a lot of people don't spend time on their own thinking. And that's not a, that sounds like a knock. It's not a knock. It's almost, I was, <laughs> I was talking, uh, prepping for the summit with, with Mark Davidson again, who's going to deliver us an amazing branding uh, conversation. He's like, you know what, at the end of it, well, yeah, I don't know how, how much to get into this, but I, I'm going to go ahead and, 
and dive in. I said, look, Mark, at the end of your talk, you don't have to have the answers for people. You just need to help people comprehend what they don't know. Because right now, people think they know what branding is in our space. And clearly, from the things you're describing, and I agree with you on, they, they don't. So we need to just raise that awareness of what they don't know. And then we can create other opportunities for them to fill in the gaps. He goes, actually, that's really interesting you say that, Kevin, because I run a branding company. And we can't, we, we are incapable of branding ourselves. Like my co-founder and I have been working on our positioning statement for 10 years. And it's one of those things that you just have a hard time doing on your own. And sometimes you do mm -hmm. need an outside person or company to help you. And so I think that's where, even though you're an employee, back to the introvert, you're an introverted employee, maybe you still can help other people think without taking on their responsibilities. Just that can be your superpower of being able to uh, think things through in a, in a methodical fashion. Mm -hmm. The other thing we, to close out that thought, Julie, the other thing we were talking about the other day with this person is that uh, for me, the thing that overcomes my introverted tendencies is conscientiousness. So in the DISC profile, you've got D, I, S, and C. And the C generally is thought of as like critical thinking skills, but also conscientiousness generally of like, I don't want to let a teammate down or I don't want someone to suffer on my behalf. And so even when there's a hesitation of, I don't know if I want to say that or not, if you can find a way to, to tap into that feeling of, this might be uncomfortable, but I have to tell them that this isn't a traffic problem and it's a sales problem, even though yeah. they're you know, maybe disagree with that at first. Um, so that, that can balance. And I think that tends to, I'm thinking through like the best marketers that we work with who are introverts, that, that seems to be a common trait too, is that they care deeply about the team and are willing to do something that might be uncomfortable for the sake of the team too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've always, I'm always on those um, personality tests. I always want to be, like a D and an I, a driver and influencer, but no, I'm always on the other end, but it's okay. You just have to learn to lean into it and mm -hmm. use that, use that too. Like you say. Yeah. But I, I, I think Don um, from Tilson again, is a great mm -hmm. example of someone who is a self-professed introvert. I'm not labeling, labeling her. She gives herself mm -hmm. that she posts hilarious she introverted cartoons on Instagram and Facebook, but she hosts a weekly live stream for her builder. And yep. does a fantastic job with it. So, absolutely. That, All right. she, she's the exact person I thought when Julie started talking about this. I was like, oh, that's the person who's gotten out of their mm -hmm. shell in the last few years. And it's been really exciting mm -hmm. to see them articulate that and, and how they approach um, their, yep. their discomfort. Uh, yeah, my, my story time also kind of has to do with branding esque, but um, I would say my theme. I'm going to just consistently have a theme, Kevin. Um, last I love the themes is, um, lots of questions around what I've been dubbing reassurance marketing. A lot of builders are looking for ideas to reassure the, their buyer and potential buyers that this is the right time to buy. And so I think there are two kind of considerations here. Um, one is that it's just remember, it's not always marketing's job to overcome the objection. I, I think I see sometimes that with, and maybe 
maybe what we're saying to Julie is it's not, you're an introvert. It's your concern that they might be a pushover because what I'll see is everyone will feed the marketing and I personal idea, and they have to overcome the objections that they think is going to come from left field and right field. And, and the marketing can get sloppy or the messaging can get sloppy as well. You know, talk about the $10,000 off, but also put this two paragraphs in the homepage and also make sure to talk about this and, and do this. And it's like, well, is and that we have to have a picture of someone drinking coffee if it's a, yeah. if it's a master plan community, always default or, or a pool, someone having a great time and mm -hmm. um, swimming or paddle ball. Um, but yeah, it's not always our job, I think, to overcome objections, you know, where our goal is, let's get the sales, let's get the leads, let's analyze communities, let's work with our team. And then the second thing I think, um, that goes along with that though, is we talked about this multiple times, but you can only control what you can control. And I heard the phrase, um, just this week that I, I love, and I was like, oh, that's so, so unique. Um, a builder had the phrase unreasonable hospitality. That's what they're going for. They want to be unreasonably nice, perfect, treat you like the king and queens that you are buying their house. They want to make sure you're having a great customer experience. And so looking at that, they're controlling what they can, can control and that will help them also in the future. But that doesn't mean that they had to start 10 steps up and explain and over explain how that they were going to achieve that. They just knew that they were going to achieve it after the customer, um, after the person became a customer and, and how they analyze that. So, um, you can reassure people at different times in the buying process, but I think just a lot of people are trying to think of different ways to approach that reassurance marketing. And, um, and so worth, worth considering, but also not diving too deep in hypotheticals. Kevin, do you have any insight on that? Well, I think one tangible example and an unreasonable hospitality, I think is just like part of the book club of the year. Yeah. Um, a lot of builders, uh, leadership teams have been reading that or sales management and hmm. really that book, if, if you're in marketing, you should ask every sales manager to read that book to, because a lot of what you're describing is marketing, trying to fill the gap. Right now, people have higher cancellation rates than they would like in some mm -hmm. some parts of the country. And it's kind of like the fact about when to deliver mints to get the most uh, tip possible at a restaurant. Like it's not to put it in the tip jar or put put it in a jar on the way out the door. That's not going to impact. But if you do, you know, give mints, it's, it's a study has been done several times. You can go check the thing. But in the restaurant industry, you know that if you want to increase your tip, and you're a waiter or waitress, you just grab, like, don't give them one fortune cookie for each of their meals. If I was the waiter, I'm bringing you like a stack of 20 for a, for a table of six. And I'm giving you the check and I'm gonna get a higher tip because of it. Um, and yet still a lot of people don't do that. We know that the single most important thing to do to reduce cancellation rates is to for the salesperson to call the customer back again the following day. We know that there's buyer's remorse is going to kick in, and yet we don't make that call because we're nervous to do it, or we think, what's the point? Or maybe that's going to give them an excuse to cancel because now I'm calling them. Like, we just have to do what we know we need to do, and that's not marketing's job to create a new reel uh, that will help everyone who happens to watch it to realize that they shouldn't cancel. I think that's kind of what you're saying. Like, yeah. there is 
there are general themes we've talked about like right now affordability is a theme of we i do believe you have to say that everything you're selling is affordable whether it is or isn't doesn't really matter because the customer is thinking about that being a challenge in today's world and is is that an affordable price or can i afford it and so if you don't participate in that kind of collective thought then you are missing out um, but you don't have to do it the same way and i i totally agree that every problem isn't yeah. One. I, I mean, I. On the other hand, I would say, and you use the word marketing, which my my first boss remember said is everything involved mm-hmm. in a company. So marketing can somehow help almost everything. Advertising clearly cannot. Uh, An email clearly cannot. Yeah, and I think it goes along with what you're saying. It's the. I feel like people from all different departments are asked, they know marketing can solve the problem. So they're asking them create that messaging that will reassure people, but it's, it's, I think a collective as a team that you need to work on of, of what you can be doing mm-hmm. at different points of interacting with the customer that should be analyzed in, in different ways and, and, and thought out um, more properly too. So that's yep. my, that's my story time. I got Kevin. Mine's a quick one because Julie's got a hard stop, so we gotta we gotta keep the train moving. Yeah, sorry guys. But I did uh, a review for a new builder this week, and the number one source of traffic by a factor of I don't know maybe eight or nine was display. Mm. You know, just made up numbers. Uh, a thousand people from display in a week, twenty from search, twenty from social. 42 from organic and just as a as a heads up if you ever see display as your top number one source of traffic uh, text me 412-779-8758 and i will i will help you that doesn't mean i'm going to work with you uh or that we're going to work with you but i will just don't that is that there are very few black and white things again in my mind it's a lot of gray and a lot of depends on what your company's culture is and what your sales goals are and margins and all the rest display should never ever 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 be your number one source of traffic ever any disagreements yeah there? well and it's just <laughs> you can get traffic if that is your only goal, I want more traffic. And that's the one thing I'm reporting on. And that's the one thing I'm telling leadership about. That's not hard <laughs> to get yeah. traffic that actually does what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. Once they get there, that's oh, a secret. How does it convert? I gotta, what does it do? You know what? My coffee always kicks in about this far into the podcast <laughs> and I get a little bit aggressive or excited. So here's a better soundbite for Olivia to pull. If you... If you ever hear someone say the words programmatic, I'm just telling you that is um, a clear symbol that that person is either out to make money off of you or doesn't understand what they're doing. There's a whole bunch of marketing agencies who listen to this podcast, I know, because uh, I can see, and also what they talk about. And I just made you furious at me. But the word programmatic is code for like overcomplicating simple things so that I can appear smarter or make more money. Period, end of story. I have yet to see any programmatic uh, ad campaign that has produced exponential results or even results to justify the additional expense of programmatic. 
but I people guess. do it because they yeah. want traffic or they want yeah. sales and someone yeah. says words they don't fully understand which leads us to our first uh news update the market proof academy ah. august 15th and 18th it wasn't going to be until the fall or early winter but so many of you saw other people posting about getting certifications on linkedin and other places that even sales managers uh, and salespeople were like should i get certified can i get certified if to be clear if you're a salesperson you probably shouldn't take this class mm -hmm. in fact i would say don't we actually I haven't talked about this to anyone else but we might do one for salespeople. No. that would be an abbreviated kind of one day here's how just to look at your community's data and really more data analysis than how to run ads because we don't yeah. uh, need salespeople running their own ads although i did hear from someone who that's how they were running things um until a couple months ago is they just reimbursed salespeople for wow it's horrifying <laughs> they also were reimbursing realtors for doing the same interesting interesting, interesting strategy but uh, marketproofacademy.com link in the show notes, August 15th to the 18th. It's still going to be a limited class size of 15, max 20 people. And uh, we already have, I think, five uh, spoken for because we sent an email today about it. But everyone is looking for a better understanding of, of at least the basics. And this goes beyond the basics. But there still is really nothing, nothing like it. It will be virtual. Some people are happy about that. Some people are sad about that. But when we go through digital uh, platforms, it's one of those things where everyone seeing the screen or having your own screen pulled up, uh, it, it's it's harder. We've done one in person. It works, but it is harder to do with more than a handful of people because you almost need the teacher, so to speak, looking over your shoulder at times yeah. uh, to help. And you need some brain breaks too. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's full days and now we're like four half days and yeah, four half days is the perfect mix, yeah. but it is like learning a language. Uh, I was on a leadership call this week and someone that we've been just working with for the last three months or so is like, Kevin, I love it. I just, I need more, but also my world is chaotic. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect analogy is trying to learn another foreign language. Like my wife is slowly, very slowly in, in her opinion learn Spanish over like four years, self-teaching, doing a Zoom course now and then. I can't learn a foreign language that way, or I'm telling myself I can't, therefore I can't, however you want to look at it. I'd have to immerse myself for, for like two to four weeks in that country and learn the language there. That's just how I learn things. My ADD, I'm all in and I, and I go fully down the rabbit hole. This is that for a lot of people. It's like I've I understand, Kevin, when we're on a call or we're looking at it or I see uh, a piece of content you put out, I'm like, that makes sense. And then real life hits and I have no chance for repetition to practice it or I don't have the resources at my fingertips to use it. And so that's what this really exists for is that protected half day time to really dive in and at least within those three to four hours every day, get enough repetitions of a concept to really get it nailed down to the point where you can take an exam and get certified in analytics uh, search or social advertising. Yep. All right, let's have some real fun from IGN.com. Apple officially yeah. reveals Vision Pro, its new $3,400 mixed reality headset, and the first <laughs> Apple product that Kevin Oakley has ever seen unveiled that he has no desire to purchase. Oh, I was curious what you were going to say about this one. 
I have zero desire because I've already bought a $1,500 Quest Pro, which the only difference is the interface. People are going to scream at me and say, this is supposed to have better clarity. I do wear glasses now when I look at the computer for long periods of time. So I wear my glasses when I use this headset. I do not see pixels. I don't see a lot of graininess. There's not a bad issue with the refresh rate. There's nothing about the device that I just completely hate. You can hook up an external battery pack to it if you wanted to. It's kind of all just more of the same, except for you can control it with your eyes and your fingers. And what do you use your Quest Pro for? I don't. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I used it I like seven at... times, and now it sits on a credenza underneath my computer screen uh, on the wall. I use a 48-inch television as my TV slash computer, and it just sits there and looks cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I watched the little unveiling. I read everything and I was like, I cannot think of anything on this that I would want to put the ski mask on yeah. in my house. I think showed an example of someone doing a presentation with three people virtually. I'm just like, that's, it just seems like overkill for something that it, they're solving a problem that isn't even a problem still. Like maybe if they rolled these out in the beginning of COVID and like, okay, let's get on the bandwagon and let's all feel more, more in, in tune for, um, with your team, but yeah, I don't know. I think the memes have been more, more, uh, fun to watch. I think just like the iPhone, I think there was a clip where, um, it was like the screen was cracked and it's like, and that'll be $3,000. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, right. Uh, I, I and know. I'm not super techie. So I wondered like if, if this was something Kevin was really wanting, there it is. Oh. It's, like, it's it honestly looks very similar. Yeah. People honestly, have already commented it looks better. that the <laughs> Apple headset is heavier because it's metal and glass. This is plastic. The battery is at the back of the head, so it's well-balanced and lightweight because it is plastic. Um, the only reason that, that this is going to end up working uh, is, okay, not having to have a controller in your hand would be maybe, like, I'm not going to use it and walk around. Not because I can't see, because I can. This headset will let you see. Um, the world around you in, in an AR way, but not having things in your hand. Maybe I can like wear it while I'm, you know, putting something together like Ikea, you know, could have a, an AR app that would help me put the mm -hmm. next, well, I'm not, no more cribs, no more uh, cribs for the Oakley house, but whatever from Ikea we would get. It's just, there isn't, I mean, watch a movie on it. I mean, the Apple one is two hours. The battery pack lasts two hours. There are movies that last longer than two hours. They show you wearing it on a plane. The plane I would want to wear it on is a 10 hour trip to, to Qatar. It would not be yeah. like, I have to get out of reality for my one hour trip to Atlanta. It's not, it's not worth packing that for my one hour trip to Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. So I, that now I just completely like, and, and, the whole thing is this would only really work and it would work with this device that I have now, the Oculus Pro, if all of my friends had it and coworkers had it. So you need this network effect, which is not going to exist with a $3,500 product. There's not going to be enough people who have it. So that's all the negatives. Here's, here's what I think things can get interesting. Well, no, one more negative thing. All the AR <laughs> VR companies who were really sure that this was about to prove to everyone that this was mainstream now, you could just watch their collective excitement for this announcement be like, oh, shoot. Like there, if you hear there's an audio file of people who were in the room when they announced the price, they were laughing. 
These are the mm. like the biggest Apple fan boys and girls of them all in the room. And they were laughing at the price point. It's three times as much as my first car, if that makes you it's, You can buy three MacBooks yeah. for the same price. Now, and I'll say my one, because I'm totally, I have no use for the, like, I'm a mom and all I think about is my kids walking around with it all day and it driving me crazy being like, take that off. Um, but all I can think is the opportunity for it. If one developer, somebody comes out with something killer app more useful yeah. and amazing for it, then maybe I'm there. But right now there's no use for it. And obviously I'm not like a gamer. I mean, some people are, I don't, I see, I have no use for it. So if somebody develops something to pull me to that side, okay. But right now it's nothing. Okay. Here, here's, here's where things could get interesting. The Apple ecosystem, you can't bet against Apple engineers long-term you shouldn't bet against. And most of their devices, when they've first initially been released, the watch AirPod pros or AirPods, everyone's like, that's stupid thing sticking out of your ear. Who's going to want to wear that? And then everyone got it. Mm -hmm. Um, but the ecosystem I think people are forgetting about is Apple Plus. So Apple wants to create their own content and they are getting more and more into live streaming sports and concert content. So they're the exclusive, I believe the exclusive uh, streaming provider for MLS soccer. Now, if with your headset, you get a year's subscription or a lifetime subscription to attend every Taylor Swift concert, in the front row or in different seats that you can swap between and you can attend those concerts again with friends or family who also have a headset. Now you're talking like courtside seats at every NBA game mm -hmm. included. Those are potential uh, again golf like you think about these people who are rabid fans around a sport. Even to be able to be the running back say for your favorite NFL team. And, and watch the game from his position on the field. So there, there's some software and ecosystem stuff that I think is interesting about it, but even you know people who for a living just analyze Apple and the company, they're saying it's probably five years before yeah. they get a device that's below $1,000. And it's, yeah. it's, I'm glad that Apple's you know moving forward, but I don't know why they didn't just say, um, hey, here's a cool demo of something. And if you want to develop software for it, you can. But like, even the, the fact they're announcing it now for release next year hmm. is very surprising. Uh, and then final thing is they're calling it the Pro, which means that they probably have a non-Pro version that they already know about and plan for. So what if, what if the non-Pro version is plastic, more similar to an Oculus, but sub $1,000? I think it's just, yeah, you're right. They're positioning themselves for that. But I, I think the year thing is what you're saying, Kevin, is people can jump on the bad bandwagon. I think it's people, um, with like cryptocurrency, there's all these things people feel like lately they've been missing out on as soon as it released. And so maybe, oh gosh, maybe what they also <laughs> feel like is if we announce this, so many people are going to jump on create devices and things for people to to create for it and create more content around it. Yeah. Not a great look. Oh, okay. Can't yeah. you. I, I just put on my, my Oculus headset. So feel free to, to meme away <laughs> on me. 
In fact, that's why they think uh, Tim Cook didn't put on a headset is just because they were afraid of memes being created about oh, him, just like Zuckerberg. Um, but you know how people act when you're at an event and you whip out a phone, like a family event, and all of a sudden everyone's like, whoa, get me out of the frame. I don't, you can't, don't, don't take a picture of me. I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm not dressed. Can you imagine they're trying to say wear your headset and push a button and recreate the experience in VR for yourself later? Can you imagine like, hey guys, I'm just wearing my goggles here. I'm just going to record this whole thing so we can relive it over and over again, even though your hair isn't ready. Like no one's going to let you do that. Yeah, no. And they showed like the the dad had it with his two little kids, and he was taking pictures of his kid. I was like, that's some good parenting right there. <laughs> Your ski mask on. Yeah. Again, maybe, and you should let us know if this is the case. Maybe we're those people who used to maybe. say, "I'm never going to use a cell phone in a restaurant." That would mm -hmm. be that would be the worst thing ever. Maybe maybe we're those people. Maybe. We're all going to be wearing this in five years, but mm -hmm. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, next up from ProBuilder.com. Uh, some lenders now offer bargain mortgages, but experts say they may not be a good idea. Last month, United Wholesale Mortgage, the nation's largest home mortgage lender, announced it would begin offering loans requiring down payments of just 1% of the home's purchase price. Fellow lender Rocket Mortgage soon followed in its footsteps. And these are all leveraging, uh, I believe, a new government program that uh, that allows for these lower uh, down payments or um, kind of creative mortgages, which when's the last time you heard about creative mortgage solutions? Not yeah. a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, but w what do you all think about well, this article? I was in home building in 2008, so I understand why it's different. And in this, you still have to have a good credit score. You still have to have a job, but it does scare me that they're going to be giving mortgages to people who are essentially saying they have no savings. I mean, that's it. I see how it's not as risky as it was in 2008, but it's still, it still um, makes me nervous. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree. I think at first impression, you're just like, this doesn't feel right. And this doesn't feel good. Um, and, and you, and statistically speaking, when you provide things at a lower cost to people, they value them less also. So I could think that maybe the people were also thinking who are going to be moving to these houses might not keep up with the upkeep of the house. And so there's kind of that because they, what you're saying, right, Julie, is that they don't necessarily have the savings and, um, it's not in here, but it was something I think Zillow, a Redfin put out in the last two weeks where it was like the hidden cost of home ownership is between $9,000 and $15,000 a year. So not having that. In terms of maintenance and material. In terms of maintenance and upkeep. So it's also that it's like, they'll get their foot in the door, but you also need a that, that nest egg and they won't have that. So that's, I think the scary part. Cause even having good savings and moving into a house for me, it's just like, oh, okay, we need that. Oh, okay, we need that. Um, it, it can get, uh, aggressive at certain points when things break in your house for your savings. So, but yeah, this, this is a quote from uh, mortgage lender Schmel, Schmuel Sheowitz. Making it easier for everybody to get a mortgage with only 1% is like putting candy in front of a baby. People should not be buying homes, will be encouraged and enabled to buy those homes. Yeah. And as a contrast, the average down payment for a home in the first quarter of the year is 13%, according to realtor.com. So 
going from 13 on average to these programs with 1%. Yeah. Now, would you tell your marketers to make sure people know there's 1% mortgage opportunity? What do you think? Mm. I yeah. I probably, I know. you know, they, they can <laughs> really they strong can opinions. That dirt. Yeah. They can go down that path if they want, if that's where they think their buyers are. But, but the biggest feedback we are hearing right now from people is how price sensitive the potential buyers are and how like on the fence they are with buying a house too. And that's why we were talking about reassurance marketing. Um, so that can be a layer of it, of we have solutions for you. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't hold us accountable. Um, but these are solutions that you could approach if it is necessary. Well, and it doesn't fix the payment problem. A lot of what I'm hearing, like when people are coming out with new communities or new plans or new whatever, is that then people, when they see the payment, what it's going to be, that's, that's what they're having problems with. And this doesn't fix that issue. Yeah, I would, and I'm not saying this is right. This is just my initial reaction to this is I would absolutely be talking about the fact that you can get in one of our homes for as little as 1% down. Then, then I'd make sure that my sales team and my finance company never let anyone do that. <laughs> but I would, I would have the conversations begin because there's a whole bunch of people who aren't even considering. I mean, you look at direct traffic, the last 30 days on average for home builders has declined almost, I think it's 15, 16%. Those are people who are no longer coming back to your site. They are, they have given up as rates hit close to seven. And so I think again, I want to engage and have conversations with customers always. And so if I have an issue with lack of conversations, I would talk about the fact that this is out there. And then I would explain to them once they were in my sales office or talking to me online, why this may not be the best situation for them, but we have other things that are better and might work for them. Yeah. I, I think it's that problem we consistently see with a sales on-site sales agent, not feeling confident, reaching back up and following up. Um, but when you empower them with news or information that could benefit the buyer, obviously they're, they're more proactive to be reaching out. So, um, yeah. just, just loading the resources we're flying ahead. Sorry. Julie's leaving yeah, in like five minutes. six minutes. So we're going to get through, uh, one more article and then favorites. Uh, a third of us home buyers from Redfin are paying cash. That's just a quick reminder. You can read the whole article and link in the show notes. Yeah. Just a reminder that mortgage rates aren't everything to everyone. In fact, one third of the people looking are finding some other method, whether it be parents, grandparents, inheritance, uh, investments that they're pulling out, but they're saying, you know what? I'd rather find a way to pay cash than, than mess with interest rates altogether. And then uh, last one from digiday.com. Can Meta remain the holy grail of paid advertising with challenges, challengers, and Advantage Plus? Advantage Plus is their similar to Performance Max, kind of set it and forget it based upon conversions, which we don't really recommend using. But I thought this quote was really interesting. Halfway through 2023, a viable solution or challenger platform has yet to present itself in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. There's still really no other option for those who need large amounts of higher quality traffic outside of search than Meta's platform. Yeah, we would love people to have multiple options and more ways yeah. to diversify their advertising. We are all for it, but there's no data to show that that's anything's there yet. Agreed. That's right. Anyone have a favorite? Ready to um, go. I do. I have been um, 
like working in my flower beds a lot lately. I know it's like my old person hobby right now. Um, and I just now figured out, maybe you all know this, but if you take a picture of a plant, you don't have to have a special app. You just go to the photo, swipe up, and it will say plant. And you oh. click on it and figure out what kind of plant it is. I did not know if that existed. And now I use it all the time. I have a plant app that always tries me to pay $30 a year for it. So no, that is you going can do away. it free on your iPhone. Well, and that's, that was another thing that Spencer Askoff talked about at the Builder 100 conference is all these AI startup companies. It's like, ah, that's cute. You're, you're a feature, not a company, because what's going to happen is all of the dominant platforms are just going to integrate it. And that thing that you were creating as like, download my plant identification app, Apple oh saw God. the amount of people using that. And similar to Amazon Basics was like, that's cute squashed like the bug you are and now we're just it's a feature as part of the yeah. ios system love it my favorite is the documentary making of the meme king uh it's a profile of gamestop's ryan cohen hmm. uh, he's the one who started chewy.com beat beat out amazon in the pet uh category and then went on to uh make the stonk craze of gamestop and bed bath and beyond and something else fascinating fascinating documentary and it's, it's something that happened recently. So uh, a lot, a lot of good takeaways from that. I thought, uh, I'll say there's a app on everyone's phone, just called reminders. If you have an iPhone and I would say that a lot of people don't know, you can share a reminder sheet with people in your family slash your husband and have a consistent <laughs> running grocery list to always be on top of when things run out and what's going on and always stay consistent. So it's, it's always fun where you yes. just rediscover your own apps, have abilities that you didn't even know were possible. Um, so that's also, that's also a fun one. So you can also share notes and use that as a way to get around, um, your parents trying to see who you're texting and what you're saying, you just share oh, a note and then everyone goes in and writes now you're notes. Given, now you're Good given to know. Or if you're at a summit, you can share notes and it can be work related. Oh, I think that's that you absolutely should do that. Anytime you yeah. go to a conference, you should find four or five people and just say, Hey, let's do a shared note doc. And as long yeah. as everyone pulls their weights, you get to stay in it. But that's a great thing to do. Yeah. A lot of companies do that when they send groups of people somewhere. All right. That'll do it for this week. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. Everyone. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Market Proof Marketing. Can't wait for the next one or looking to connect with other new home marketers? Become a member of our private community, DYC All Access, which is 100% free and always will be. Get exclusive content not shared anywhere else, access to private events, and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.doyouconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peek, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.